Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Hunter Melton, and uh, it is such an honor to be here with you all on such a special day. Um, I, in 2017, did the ministry residency through Brentwood Baptist Church, and uh, I got to preach at this location six times. It was awesome. And uh, the church at Woodbine quickly became my favorite campus to preach at. I'm at the Church Avenue South now, uh, but this space and this place and these people will always hold such a special place in my heart. And to you legacy members who are here who helped this church to transition from Woodbine Baptist to the Church of Woodbine, uh, you gave uh, so much, not only to myself, but to hundreds of others. And so we really do honor you today. Um, I'm going to ask that you keep the copy of God's word, either on your phone or in front of you open, uh, because we're going to go back to that time and time again, that Romans 8 passage. Um, in, in way of introduction, I want to tell you a little bit more about myself. In May of 2020, so right in the middle of the, the crazy pandemic time, my wife and I gave birth to our first son, Judah. Um, and it, it was it was crazy. For months and months, we knew that we were pregnant. Uh, it's a, a grace of God that he gives us nine months uh, to figure out what we're going to do with our lives, right, before the little one arrives. And so we had dreamed about our, uh, our baby. We had, uh, we had come up with baby names. Uh, in case you didn't know, there are a lot of names that you can name a child. Uh, we didn't even know that he was a, a boy up until just a few months before he was born. Um, all we had was ultrasound photos. We had hopes, uh, but we had never met him face to face. We didn't know his hair color. We didn't know his eye color. Um, however, and maybe if you are a parent here today, you can identify with this. The moment that my son was born and I looked upon what God had given us, I didn't care at all. Uh, this is You can see that face right there. That is a face of terror mixed with love, mixed with all those things. All I knew was that the moment I held him, he had my everything. He had it all. I could write over a blank check to him. He could go out and spend it however he wanted to. I don't care, right? I knew that I would die for the six-pound, 11-ounce, 19-and-a-half-inch baby boy. So we'll throw up a current photo of him, and that's him just turned one. And this little guy is, uh, he is a Melton. Uh, and since my in-laws are here, he is also a McBride as well. This guy is a Melton and he belongs to us. And he will take up the mantle of what it means to be a son with all of its responsibilities, but with also all of its privileges and its benefits. And if you are here today and you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, you get those responsibilities and those privileges of being in a better family and being part of a global family, a universal family in which you receive all that God has for you. That it does not matter where you are from or what you look like or who you are. If you put your trust in Jesus, the face that I had when I looked at my son, God has that face when he looks at you with love and adoration and tenderness and kindness. And we friends get that too often. The idea of part of being a child of God 
is just something that we sing in a song or we think is a poetic turn of phrase when in reality it is the most important thing about us. So if you hear nothing else today and you decide that right now is a great time to take a nap, like hear this, okay? That succinctly, this is the whole sums up of everything that we're going to talk about today. That being a part of God's family changes everything from the way you approach sin to the way that you see yourself and to the way that you endure even suffering. Indeed, it is the most important thing about you. So let's, let's pray together, uh, not just as individuals, but as children, as family of God together. Let's ask God to be in this place. And will you pray for me that I would speak clearly and succinctly honoring the Lord? Will you pray for yourself that the Lord would open up your heart to hear what he has to say? So let's pray today. Lord, we love you. We are so grateful, God, that you have given us rights and privileges of being able to call out to you as our father, as our daddy, as our Abba. And so, Lord, I pray for every man and woman and child here today that you would clearly speak to us, that we wouldn't just let the familiar, uh, familiarity of the idea that I'm a child of God go by us without letting it truly illumine our hearts and change the way that we live, even as we leave this place today. So do the work, God. Remove me where I need to be removed and speak loudly and clearly. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, friends. Well, I told you we're going to keep God's word open today. So if you have the word of God, uh, will you look at, will you look with me the first uh, two verses that we read? So Romans 8, 12 through 13. Paul starts off by saying this, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. But if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. Well, that is a great encouragement because I don't know anybody here who doesn't have moments where they don't live for the flesh, right? Brother and sister, what sin do you currently wrestle with? There we go, right? I just said it. What sin do you currently wrestle with? What is that unnamed thing that you would rather keep in the shadow? What temptations do you have that seem to pop up time and time again, and that no matter how hard you seem to work on them, man, they, they, they eat your lunch every day? You see, it's true, right, that we all have areas where we need to grow and trust Christ more. Like we all have those areas. Like an attentive gardener who knows that their job is never done, we know that we are never done keeping a careful eye on our areas of weaknesses. You see, Paul says in verse 12, we're not obligated to the flesh anymore. In Greek, that means that we are not debtors to the flesh anymore. That means that you no longer have to pay back uh, to your own flesh, the sin, right? We don't owe our sin anything. 
So really what that means is that no matter how long you have been battling the temptations and the sins that you struggle with, friends, you can change. Because the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that is living in you right now. So here's the thing. That means that you have this power. Your personality might lend itself to uh, battle with certain sins, but the truest thing about you is not your personality. It is Jesus inside of you. And let me talk to everybody who loves personality tests. Do I have any Enneagram uh, lovers up in this joint, right? Does anybody know what Enneagram is? That's cool if you don't, right? You're probably better off for it. Any like disc profile people, right? Okay, here's the thing. Personality tests don't give you a license to continue in your sin. You might be a driver on the personality test, but that doesn't give you a license to be a jerk. Right? You uh, might be on an Enneagram 7, which basically means you just love being the life of the party. That does not give you a license to shy away from hard things. Right? Friends, the most true North Star thing about you is, is Jesus in you. And if that, the answer to that question is yes, then you have it all. That anything is possible. If any kind of sin is possible in a post-Genesis 3 world, then anything is possible for heaven in a post-cross world. You can be redeemed. John Owen, a Puritan preacher, said, be killing your sin or your sin will be killing you. Don't we feel that? Don't we feel that? That every time your sin gets the best of you, that every time that you look on, uh, you look at something you're not supposed to on the internet, there's shame that rushes in. Every time you fly off the handle and you lose your temper at someone, you never feel vindicated, right? What was the first sin that was ever committed? It was dishonoring the Lord by eating something they weren't supposed to. What came over them? Shame. That shame that you feel whenever you fall away and when you slip into uh, sin time and time again is that death that is pulling you farther and farther apart from Christ. And Paul says this in verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, you are going to what? Die. You don't die immediately. Adam and Eve didn't. They were expelled from the garden. But according to the Bible... We don't go from bad people to good people. In Jesus, we go from dead people to alive people. And that is the power of the cross, not behavior modification. But as you lean into your sin and you shirk away and you go away from Christ, you find less and less of what it means to be alive. Friend, your sin is deadly. And that's like a, not a fun thing to say, right? Because we live in a culture that says you can do anything, anywhere, anytime with anybody as long as it's not hurting someone. And friend, that is not our point of reference in life. The perfection of Jesus Christ is, and we know we can never be perfect. That's why grace exists. But we have to take our sin seriously. 
And some of us trifle with sin because we know, well, okay, I messed up this one time, but Jesus has to forgive me, right? Paul literally says, do we go on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. But we kill our sin for a reason. Right? If Jesus came to die for our sins, then we cannot trifle with the thing that killed our best friend. That's how serious it was. That's how serious it was. But the best part about this is, is that the spirit inside of you will give you strength. But you also have to work in tandem with God to continue to fight your flesh. The, uh, the old, the ancients would call this sanctification. It's this beautiful idea that we are to grow over our lives in ways that uh, we grow in our identity, that we should be able to look back and say, I am farther along in my growth of Jesus than I was even a year ago. Friends, when was the last time you could see that you have grown in your walk with Jesus? If it was Sunday school, when you were a senior in high school and you haven't grown in 20 years, friends, take today as the warning sign to get serious about your growth in Jesus Christ. Like, I'm not going to go any farther than Paul does when he talks about seriousness, and he says, your sin will kill you. But we can do this. Let's, Let's interject some goodness into here. You can do this even when you think you're weak. Why? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, and God's grace is more. So here's the deal. The good news about this is, is that you don't fight your sin to get into the family of God. You fight your sin because you are a part of the family of God. Which is a a good reason why we don't tell people who don't already believe in Jesus to stop uh, all their sinful ways because if they don't believe in Jesus, they don't see the point in doing that. Zacchaeus, the wee little man, the wee little man was he, right? Climbed up the sycamore tree. Zacchaeus didn't change in order to meet Jesus. He changed because he met him. Have you met Jesus? If you have, is your life different? Can people know the difference? But where do we see that? Let's look back at our text through verses 14 through 17. For all those who are led by God's spirit are God's sons and daughters. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of what? Adoption. Spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Friends, you are a child of God, a sibling of Christ. Every time that you've been sitting by yourself or in a quiet moment and God has given you an inner peace about a situation, maybe it's been about a move that you were supposed to make or a job you were supposed to take or a person you were supposed to be in a relationship with, every time that something about God's word has jumped off the page, almost like your Bible has gone 3D at you, right? Every time that you've had a right or a conversation and it's been at the right time with the right person, that was the Lord leading you as a father does his son. And if your trust is in Christ, then you are part of this family. My friends, um, who on earth has the right to wake up a king in the middle of the night for a glass of water except the king's son, except the king's daughter? 
right? We, we who are here in Christ, we get to cry out to the Lord as Abba, Father. That right there, the most personal greeting that a Hebrew woman or mother or a Hebrew woman or man could have is to call their dad Abba. You only got to do that if you were a son or a daughter immediately. No one else got to call you Abba. Abba, Father. It is so intimate. That idea of Abba is that it's most rightly translated as Daddy or Papa. I am daddy or papa to one person. Nobody else is going to call me papa, right? I hope not, right? Like, that's weird. I want one person, my son, to call me papa. One person. And we who are here today, who have Jesus in us. In Mark uh, 14, Jesus prays to the Lord. And you know what he calls the Lord? Abba. Abba. And then Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he's saying, you get to call God what Jesus called God. Friends, how many of us clean up our prayers? How many of us go to the Lord and we're like, okay, I want to deal with my bad stuff. And then I'm going to go maybe with, with the, the moderately bad stuff to God because I can handle my own stuff on my own. And then God's just going to get a little bit of it and God's just going to get some of it. And, and maybe really my, my prayer looks more like a laundry list of things like, okay, I need this. 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 Instead, God is wanting us to say, come to me as Papa. Um, I, uh, in fifth grade, I was really into uh, Pokemon cards, right? Okay, so apparently those are like going for a lot of money right now. I don't know what the pandemic has made everything crazy. But I was, I was really into Pokemon cards, and I would never forget uh, running out of school when my dad would come to pick me up. And he had a blue Ford van with the heaviest sliding door I'd ever experienced. I mean, that thing was, that was giving me guns just by opening up the thing and closing it, right? There was no like automatic slide where you felt cool because you just tapped it and then it you know went in. I mean, it was it was big. And I'll never forget opening up the van door. My dad's there, and the first thing I said to him was, "Can we go get Pokemon cards?" Didn't even say hi to him. Right? Just opened up this van. Can we go get Pokemon cards? I'd hop in the van, and I would half expect that we would be on our way to Target or wherever to get Pokemon cards. And my dad is so kind and so patient. And you know what he looked at me and said? He said, I'm fine, son. How are you? I'm fine, son. How are you? And I'm thinking, it took me a quick second. I'm like, I don't, I don't, that didn't answer my question. Can we go get, right? You know, like that, that stuff. And I just wonder, at times, if we're a lot like that with God. where we run to him and we're treating him as a vending machine. And all we want, like the, the, the usefulness of the Lord is the fact that he can give us the stuff that we want. He's maybe a more uh, powerful version of us. Like, Lord, if you're good, that would mean that you would affirm everything that I want. So let's go ahead and get this show on the road. And the point of God's existence 
is not to be the cashier or the vending machine in your life, but is to be Papa. It's for you to sit down and talk to him as a man does his friend. Papa. You see, it's from that posture that we can then say, if this offends my dad, I don't want any part of it. It's not a legalistic, get me to it, right, kind of deal, but it is a, Lord, if this is going to keep me from you, I don't want anything to do with it. Deuteronomy 1.31 uh, picks up um, and in this beautiful, where the Israelites are through the desert and they're, they're getting through, and Moses says this to the people of Israel, and he says, there you saw on all these places where God provided for them, it says, there you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. Friends, do you not realize that we who are weak in flesh are weak, not because we are meant to be strong, but because we were meant to fall into the arms of our dad. I never want my son thinking that he has to be strong enough to fight every battle in life. I want him to look at the kids when he's in fourth grade and say, my dad can beat up your dad. I don't got muscles now, but by the time he's in fourth grade, I can be there, right? That's the kind of intimacy that we get to have with God, and that can only come because Jesus Christ tore the veil. And as we sing here today, no guilt in life, no fear in death, here in the love of Christ I stand, we can only sing the song because of the fact that Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago to die for you, to die for me. Blessings all mine, 10,000 beside. Friends, that's not just like this, like, um, okay, we'll sing it because it sounds good in this poetic verse. That is a reality. That we, me, you get the blessings of God. And it doesn't look like getting checks in the mail from out of nowhere. What it looks like is that God is providing for us in ways that we can never explain. Which is the last two verses. These verses, if you ever want to underline in your Bible or highlight or memorize, these verses are incredible. Verses 16 through 17 says that the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit. It just means the Holy Spirit is is echoing back to himself this truth. That we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God. And then what? Co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Put succinctly, everything that God has is ours in Christ Jesus. 
not only that, but we are co-heirs with Christ, which means that the closeness that God and Jesus have, we will have when we go home to be with God. Do you remember when Jesus would slip away to pray with the Lord and commune with God? Friends, we get that. Do you remember when God would walk in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, just strolling side by side as if they're having a conversation? Friends, one day when we go home to glory, we will get that. This means that one day God is going to renovate and restore not only our souls and not only our physical bodies, but the entire cosmos. All will be right. Eden will be restored. This globe will become what it was always meant to be. You know how you can turn on the TV every night and see that something is broken in our world? If you are in Christ, that is not meant to be anxiety-inducing. That's meant to be a subtle reminder that we're not home yet. That one day, one day, the world will be made right. And we're not home yet. If anything, that's a reminder, hey, I'm still on mission. Not all is made right yet. Not everything is made right yet. I'm still on mission to make Jesus known. Not to tell people how to act better or behave better, but to tell people who to believe in. Titus 3.7 says we have the hope of eternal life in Jesus. Friends, you know someone who doesn't have that hope, who needs to be a part of the family. Are we on mission to share that? And we get this hope for a lifetime. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. We get that forever. But for a time, while we are waiting for this inheritance, there is suffering. Verse 17 says, um, if indeed we suffer with him. All this good stuff wrapped up with this final bad verse. Come on, Paul, where's the good stuff at? I don't want to suffer. Your suffering, whether it is physical or it is mental or it is emotional, it links you with Jesus who suffered here on earth for our sake. Why? Because we are brothers and sisters with Jesus Christ. And you might be here today. And we could go around this entire room and talk about the suffering that we've had. But God brings us into deep waters of suffering, not to drown us, but to cleanse us. So every time that we are reminded of our pain here on earth, let us remember that we aren't home yet. But as children of God, great is our reward. Friends, in in closing, we are a part of the family of God with all of its privileges and with all of its responsibilities. And we have the privilege of knowing that we will never walk through this life alone. The greatest thing that you could have is the very God of all things walking beside you. And if you are in Jesus, you have it when we don't lean uh, into either the privilege or the responsibility of being a part of the family, we miss out on what we are made for, unity with God. Don't miss that today.
carry around your citizenship in the family of God as a badge of honor, as well as marching orders to make Jesus famous. Uh, Yesterday, I got in the mail my renewed passport. And in the passport, it says that uh, the United States government is speaking on my behalf to allow me to enter into countries and to allow me to, to enter in speedily and to do all the stuff. When I carry that passport wherever I go, I'm representing uh, the United States of America. But we have a more permanent passport, the blood of Jesus Christ. And we represent him wherever we go as families of God. Let us pray. Lord, I love you. And God, I thank you so much for this special place, for these amazing people. Lord, I thank you for the legacy members who are here today. Lord, they truly have left a legacy to uh, to this generation. But God, no matter how uh, what our age is, how far we've come in life, what has happened to us, we are all a part of the family of God. So Lord, I pray that we would lean into that identity this week, that when temptations come, we would say, no, no, I'm a child of God. I will not engage with that. I will not trifle with the thing that killed my best friend because my best friend and I, we got too much to do together. We have too much to be together. I want more of Jesus, so I don't want any of sin. Give us that strength, that encouragement today. Lord, we need you and we love you. It's your name we pray, amen.